His goodness and His mercy. Can we just love Him together in this place? Hallelujah. Lord, You're worthy. We bless You. We praise You. We worship You. We adore You. You are God alone. Hallelujah. We give You honor and glory today, Lord. Thank You. Thank You. Amen. Let's turn to 1 Peter chapter 4. I'm going to read the first six verses for our text today. And as we dive in, a lot of people are not here due to either sickness or the roads and just did not feel safe where they lived. Uh, some of the side roads don't get cleaned as quickly and whatever. So all of those that aren't here, we're welcoming you online. We love you and we're praying for you. And we'll see you Wednesday or next Sunday. Amen. And to all of you that did make it, thank you for being here. Good to see all of you and hope you had a wonderful time of Thanksgiving with friends and family. First Peter chapter 4, beginning at verse 1. For as much then as Christ hath suffered for us in the flesh, arm yourselves likewise with the same mind. For he that has suffered in the flesh has ceased from sin, that he no longer should live the rest of his time in the flesh to the lusts of men, but to the will of God. For the time past of our life may suffice us to have wrought the will of the Gentiles when we walked in lasciviousness, lusts, excess of wine, revelings, banquetings, and abominable idolatries, wherein they think it strange that you run not with them to the same excess of riot, speaking evil of you. Who shall give account to him that is ready to judge the quick and the dead? For this cause was the gospel preached also to them that are dead, that they might be judged according to men in the flesh, but live according to God in the Spirit. And for just a few minutes of your time and first word, I'm going to preach and teach. So I'm going to treat this title, Live the Rest of Your Time for God's Will. Amen. Let's pray. Jesus, this is your church and I thank you that you are the head of the church. Your word alone has the ability to transform and save and heal and deliver and correct and rebuke and help and, and give hope. You know every situation, sickness, struggle. God, I thank you for your word being anointed and appointed for this moment in time. And so on the authority of your word, I pray that you would give us the wisdom we need to apply it. For without you, we are nothing. Let there be a demonstration of your spirit and power. Let me walk in your spirit and not in my flesh. In Jesus' name. And everyone said, Amen. You may be seated. Psalm 90 is written by Moses. And in Psalm 90, verse 12, he writes and says, So teach us to number our days that we may apply our hearts unto wisdom. In this verse and in the entirety of the 90th Psalm, Moses contrasts the finite with the infinite. Contrasting everlasting God against the brevity of humanity, Psalm 90 reveals there is no comparison. You see, we are finite, but God is infinite. Our lives are but a vapor. And Moses here, nearing the end of his life, realized the value of making and keeping God as his dwelling place. And if you're wondering what this has to do with 1 Peter, just hang on. We're getting there. When you contrast your lifetime with 
God and against God, who is from everlasting to everlasting. I don't know how that's possible, but he is. It is best then that you humble yourself in the presence of the Holy One, allowing God to convict and convert you and to make sure that he is your dwelling place so that you will spend eternity with him. You know, I like uh, anagrams, and what an anagram is is a word that you can rearrange in the letters and spell another word. For example, the word race, you can also spell the word care without taking any new letters in or taking any letters out. Well, the word desire can be rearranged to spell reside. I want to reside with God for eternity, so I have a desire to reside with Him, so I want to budget my time wisely so that I'm laying up treasure in heaven. I want to hear Jesus say, well done, good and faithful servant. Enter in to the joy of the Lord. And by the way, in keeping with Psalm 90 and 12, numbering our days, I am today 18,544 days old. Somebody say that's old. I know. <laughs> During my childhood, mom had magnets all over the refrigerator door. Uh, I, I can close my eyes and, and, and see the door and all these magnets. And we'd go places and get new ones and and then, you know, if we go to vacation or something, we'd get another one and put it there. Well, one that stood out to me that I, I remembered, I would read it every day. And, and as a child, I'd, I'd be trying to figure it out. And it said this, today is the first day of the rest of your life. And the first time I read it, I'm like, I thought yesterday was. You know, and in my kid's brain, I'm thinking, how can today? Because there was just, but as I got older, I realized what it meant. You see, the lesson on that magnet and on Moses' words in Psalm 90:12, and on what we're reading from 1 Peter today, specifically verse 2, they teach the principle that today is what matters. Amen. You may have sinned yesterday, but today is a new day. You can repent. You can be born again. If you fail, you can get back up because today is a new day. You may have failed yesterday, but you can start again and succeed this time because today is a new day. You see, your past does not define you unless you give it the power to do so. Let's just take a minute here and review some of those who could have stopped and would have stopped if they would have listened to Satan instead of God. And remember, let's remember that, that God speaks to us from our future while Satan speaks to us from our past. Peter denied and lied, but he repented and preached Pentecost. Amen? Saul persecuted the church zealously, but he repented and began preaching Christ. Mary Magdalene was caught in the act of adultery, but she repented and was the first to see the risen Savior. I don't know if you know this guy or not, but Myron Powell was trapped in the prison of pride and in the dungeon of deception because he failed to heed God's word. But he repented, and he's now been preaching for 36 years. You and I can't change where we came from, but we can change where we're going. And so today is the first day of the rest 
of your life. And if you came here this morning or you're watching online this morning and yesterday was a bad day, I've come to tell you today is a new day. I've come to tell you that we need to do what Paul said. Forget those things which are behind and reach forward to those things which are before me. I I feel like we need a pressing spirit today to say, I'm going to press on. I'm going to reach for the prize of the high calling in God. Amen. I'm going to live the rest of my time for God's will. I may have not lived it yesterday. I may have not lived it the last decade. But I'm starting today. And I'm going to live the rest of my time for the will of God. Has anybody ever heard of the phrase we use sometimes called deathbed repentance or deathbed salvation? Something like that, right? I love those stories where you read of someone who well into their Golden years, repent, they're born again, they're baptized, they're filled with the Spirit. They only have but just a short, some of them literally die within a day or two. Some of them died the same day that they, they were born again. And, and one might look and say, well, you've got 82 years of sin and 82 minutes of living for God. But you know what counts in the grand scheme of things? Amen, Sister Chris. 82 minutes. God looks at that and he, he takes his blood and he begins to wash those sins away. It doesn't matter. Come on, somebody. I'm thankful for a God that will give us a new day to rise up and say, that's who I was yesterday, but you haven't seen anything yet. I'm born again. I've repented. I'm forgiven. I'm starting fresh. Hallelujah. And so 1 Peter chapter 4, verses 1 through 6, give us a road map that help us to follow God faithfully to the end. Here's, here's what that road map is. Number one, arm yourselves. Look at verse 1 again with me. 1 Peter 4, 1. For as much then as Christ has suffered for us in the flesh, arm yourselves likewise with the same mind. For he that suffered in the flesh has ceased from sin. That he should no longer live the rest of his time in the flesh to the lust of men, but to the will of God. And you can see from verse 2 where I've drawn my title for today. So how do you arm yourselves? How do you avoid sin and live the rest of your time for or to or in God's will? Well, there's four ways you can arm yourself and practice what... 1 Peter 4, 1 and 2 are specifically teaching and preaching. You can enable yourself to overcome sin in the flesh just as Jesus did if you'll do these four things. Number one, be endued with power from on high. While still in the flesh and not yet sealed, Peter denied the Lord three times and then lied about it. Or lied while he was denying, rather. But after he was born again, Peter willingly suffered... And was imprisoned for his faith in Jesus. We can see it in Acts 5 and Acts 12. What changed? The power of the Holy Ghost. He was endued with power from on high. He was operating in his flesh before. But now he was filled with the Spirit. What was the difference? He now had that power within him to live the rest of his time for God's will. You see, to be endued with power, that word endued means to be fully clothed inwardly and outwardly with the Holy Spirit. Therefore, it is the ultimate protection against sin. 
Peter experienced this with 120 believers in an upper room when the suddenly came and, and they began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave utterance. Let me say this. You cannot overcome sin in the flesh unless you're born again in the name of Jesus. There's a lot of things you can do without God, but that's not one of them. Because the ultimate overcoming of sin is the blood of the Lamb and the word of our testimony. And the word of our testimony there doesn't just mean how we testify, what we say. It, it is that, but it's also our lifestyle, the word of our testimony, what we are doing, how we are living. So if you're here today and you want help overcoming sin and you want to live the rest of your time for God's will, then I urge you, repent. Be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ. Be filled with the precious Holy Spirit speaking with other tongues. That's number one, be endued with power from on high. Number two, we're talking about arming ourselves. Number two, here's how we arm ourselves. Think about what sin did to Jesus. So, so before you commit sin, before you yield to temptation, before you give in to your flesh, pause and remember what it did to Jesus. The Bible says Jesus suffered for us in the flesh, 1 Peter 4.1. With every stripe on his back, with the pounding of the nails in his hands and feet, with every drop of blood, sweat, and tears, Jesus suffered for the sins of the whole world. So ask God to tune your frequency, the, your ears to the frequency of Calvary and hear the lash of that whip as it hits his back. Uh, hear him groan in agony and pain uh, every time you're tempted to sin. Ask God to tune in your ears to hear the hammer hitting the spikes, driving them in to his hands and to his feet. Ask God to tune your ears as you hear that whip uh, race across his back uh, and rip his body to shreds. Ask God to tune your frequency so that you think about what sin did to Jesus and then see your sin being pounded there, beat there and dying there. Hallelujah. The third thing to do to arm yourself so that you can live the rest of the time for God's will is to remember who you were before Jesus found you and delivered you. And by remembering what you did and who you were before Jesus found you, this will help you to not want to return to such a lifestyle. Look at 1 Corinthians 6, 9 through 11 with me. Know ye not that the unrighteous shall not inherit the kingdom of God? Be not deceived. Neither fornicators, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor effeminate, nor abusers of themselves with mankind, nor thieves, nor covetous, nor drunkards, nor revilers, nor extortioners shall inherit the kingdom of God. And if the, if the context stopped there, if it ended there, we would be hopeless. But the next verse, and such were some of you. Mm. I'm glad I'm a has-been. Oh, you see, I've been washed. I've been sanctified. I'm justified in the name of the Lord Jesus and by the Spirit of God. Oh, yeah, I did a bunch of stuff that I'm ashamed of. Oh, yeah, there's a bunch of stuff. But if you're going fishing there, you're going in a, in a no trespassing zone because it's under the blood. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Such were some of you. And so when temptation comes, arm yourself and remember, that's who I used to be. That's not who I am now. I'm spirit-filled. I'm forgiven. I'm born again. 
I belonged here to the pimp or, or, to the, or to the drug or to the whatever. But here I belong to Jesus. There I, I was selfish. Here I'm selfless. Hallelujah. When you do these four things, and I haven't given you the fourth one yet, but when you do these, you realize you, you're now second born. You have a second nature. Amen. Well, here's the fourth thing that you do to arm yourself is obey Luke 9.23. So real quickly, number one, we're going to be in due power from on high. Number two, we're going to think about what sin did to Jesus. Number three, we're going to remember where we were and who we were before he found us and delivered us. And now we're going to obey Luke 9.23. And he said to them all, if any man will come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross. Everybody say it daily and follow me. When you do these four things, then obeying the Bible passages, these Bible passages become second nature. What do I mean by that? I'm about to read some verses that, that it becomes second nature because you're second born. Let, let's, let's take a look at them. 1 John chapter 1, verse 6. If we say that we have fellowship with him and walk in darkness, we lie and do not the truth. But if we walk in the light, as he is in the light, we have fellowship one with another. And the blood of Jesus Christ, his son, cleanses us from all sin. If we say that we have no sin, we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. If we say we have not sinned, we make him a liar and his word is not in us. Chapter 2, verse 1. My little children, these things I write unto you that you sin not. And if any man sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ, the righteous, and he is the propitiation for our sins and not for ours only, but for the sins of the whole world. Here's the principle I want to give you from these passages. Living for God for the rest of your life and, and, and serving him and his will becomes second nature because you've taken on the mind of Christ. Amen? If you follow, follow college football, you, you know yesterday some undefeated teams are now defeated. Okay? One particular game that was played was between Michigan and Ohio State. Both of them going into that game undefeated, but one of them is going to come out defeated. Okay. I don't even want to talk about Nebraska, but I did graduate from Liberty, and they're 12-0. and 0. Hallelujah. I know they're in not a Power 5 conference, but praise God, they're undefeated. Hopefully they win their bowl game. <laughs> but my point to that is, we all like that talk when our team is undefeated. Now, if you're not a team person or football or whatever, I, I get the... the, the, the Relevance of this may, may miss you, but I want you to think about this for a second. The more you start living for God, I was talking to my mother-in-law the other day, 50 years, this is her jubilee year, ma, 50 years she's lived for the Lord. Now, I'm sure she's made some mistakes. I'm sure she hasn't always been right, but you know what she has done? She's been forgiven, and she's gone back to an altar and stayed true, and 50 years later, she can look back, and even though there's a hiccup here and a bump there and, and a little detour here, she's still on a path Mm. And see, when you look back at that, that's a whole lot better than being 12 and 0. <laughs> oh, 
<laughs> because you know you're looking to something that's a crown of thorns that doesn't fade, or a crown of glory that doesn't fade away. It's, it's, it's a crown that you're going to be able to cast at his feet. So ah, the things of this world, yeah, that's a lot better. I'm, I'm glad I'm living for God, but I can look at that and use that in, in my flesh to say, you know what, I like my team to be undefeated, but I can live undefeated. I can live in a sense of, of glory. I can arm myself so that I see him one day. You see, here's another reason. The Bible tells us in 1 Corinthians 15, and I didn't give these scriptures uh, to our team to put up, but in 1 Corinthians 15, specifically 45 through 49, Paul there begins to contrast the first Adam with the last Adam, and, and the first Adam being, being that of the flesh, and the last Adam being that of the spirit. And he says, you bore the nature of the first Adam. You're, you're natural, you're sinful, but if you're born again, you bear the nature of the last Adam, the heavenly, and you become a new creature. Amen. Praise God. And by the way, thoughts about sin are not necessarily the sin. Now, if it comes to you thinking about a, a adultery in your mind, then that's sin. But, but if the devil tempts you to sin, that's not sin in and of itself. You know, go do something sinful. Well, that's not the sin. But what... As I begin to process it and give myself to it and think on it and then act on it, that becomes the sin. That's why the Word of God, Hebrews 4.12, is sharper than a two-edged sword. It pierces uh, and, and divides asunder to the, to the heart and the marrow, to the, to the thoughts and intents of the heart. It, it can begin to divide and say, this was just a thought, but this was an intent. Does that make sense? That's why I need the Word of God in my life. That's why I need it to encourage me. And by the way, rebuke is encouraging. Uh-huh, what? It is? Yes. Because he only rebukes and chastens those whom he loves. And so if the word rebukes you, don't look at it like, I'm being rebuked, I must be bad. No, you're, you're being loved. Because God doesn't rebuke and chasten those whom he doesn't love. And so if you read the Word of God and instead of going, amen, you go, oh, me. <laughs> Thank God for that. I don't want to get to a place where my conscience is seared and God can't convict me. Amen. And, and that, that segues into the next thing that, that Peter talks about here in verses uh, 2 through um, uh, 4. Uh, he, he begins to talk about <clears throat> the will of God versus the will of the Gentiles. Watch this. Now, now, we've read verse 2, no longer living the rest of his time in the flesh. Verse 3, for the, the time past, our life may suffice us to have wrought the will of the Gentiles. So you notice in verse 2, the will of God. Now in verse 3, the will of the Gentiles. And then he gives these, these long words, and, and lasciviousness and uh, revelings and banquetings and excess of wine and lust and all this, abominable idolatries. And like, man, that's a lot of bad stuff. So, if we're going to do the will of God and, 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 and do the will of God and we're going to avoid the will of the Gentiles, it might be good to know what the will of God is. I mean, Peter goes into an explanation of what the will of the Gentiles is, and we'll get to that in a minute. I'll explain some of these words, but, but the will of God, what is the will of God? Well, simply, it's the word of God. Let me say this, the will of God will never take you outside the word of God. If God tells you to 
to do something and it aligns to Scripture, that's the will of God. The Spirit is speaking to you. But if God tells you to do something that's not in the will of God or the Word of God, it's like the time I was talking to somebody, and I'm not kidding you when I tell you. They looked at me and they said, oh, yeah, God told me I could fornicate. And I'm like, huh? And I, I read the Scripture I read earlier from, you know, Know ye not the unrighteous shall not inherit the kingdom of God. Neither fornicators. The first thing it says. He goes, I know, but God told me I could do it. I'm like, no, he didn't. <laughs> you ain't listening to God. You're listening to yourself. Or it's a little G God. The will of God's not going to ever take you away from the word of God. Does that make sense? So, so that's just a simple, but, but let's go a little bit deeper. And, and I'm going to run through these really fast, so I'm sorry, but you'll have to go watch the YouTube to, to get them all real quick because I did not give them to the guys. I got a bunch. I got 12. Here we go. Romans 8.27, we're to intercede for the saints. Romans 12.2, we're not to be conformed to this world, but to be transformed by the renewing of mind. Every one of these verses I'm referring to mention the action being a part of the will of God. In Galatians 1.4, the will of God comes for the deliverance of sins. So I know the will of God comes to help me be delivered from sins. In 2 Corinthians 2.1 and Ephesians 1.1 1, 1, and in other places, we know that the will of God is to go into the, all the world. In Ephesians 6.6, 6, we know that being sincerely devoted to God is a part of the will of God. We know from Colossians 4.12 that standing complete in Him and then helping others is a part of the will of God. 1 Thessalonians 4.3, abstaining from fornication is the will of God. 1 Thessalonians 5.18, giving thanks in everything and not just one day a year in November is a part of the will of God. Hebrews 10.36, enduring and receiving His promise is the will of God. 1 Peter 2.15, putting to silence the ignorance of fools by suffering and going through it to, with a smile on your face because you're born again and you have treasure in heaven is a part of the will of God. 1 Peter 3.17, same thing, suffering for well-doing. And in 1 Peter 4.2, avoiding the lust of the flesh. Each one of these 12 things I just mentioned are a part of what the will of God is. And so live your life, the rest of your time, for the will of God. And by the way, here's a good reason why. Let's read what we do when we, get the, when we obey the will of God. I did give him this one, 1 John 2, 15. Love not the world, neither the things that are in the world. If any man love the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, the pride of life, is not of the Father, but is of the world. And the world is passing or passes away, and the lust thereof, but watch this, but he that does the will of God abides forever. So here we go. Ready? I do the will of the Gentiles, and I spend eternity in the lake of fire with Satan, tormented and bound. I do the will of God, and I live forevermore in his presence. Pretty easy choice. Okay? And this ain't a Capital One commercial either. I, I mean, seriously, really? Is, is this even a choice? Lake of fire, are you kidding me? I mean, if that's on your multiple choice, I hope you get the answer correct. Life. <laughs> Moses had to do this. Therefore, choose life. He had to give him the correct answer. I'm hoping you don't need it, but look, please choose life. 
He that does the will of God abides forever. On the contrary, though, the will of the Gentiles is what John just said, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, the pride of life. This is another reason we need to arm ourselves. Because there's a daily battle between carnality and the Holy Spirit. Paul said it this way in Romans 7, 21. When I would do good, evil was present with me. Listen, it's a daily battle to overcome sin in the flesh. You're going to have to pray daily. You're going to have to fast. You're going to have to read your Bible. You're going to have to make a decision to be holy on a daily basis. It's not a one-time thing. It's not coming to the end of the service today and getting anointed and having any one of the pastoral team members pray over you and pray some sort of special covering that gives you some sort of force shield that the devil can never tempt you again. We're in this world, and Jesus said, in this world you'll have tribulation. In the same verse, though, he said, but be of good cheer. I've overcome the world. In me you'll have peace. It's daily making the choice to say, God, I'm going to live for you and not my flesh. I'm not going to let my feelings affect my actions because my thoughts can control my feelings. And that's truth. That's biblical truth. That's not just psychological babble. That's biblical truth. My thoughts can control my feelings, which control my actions. I can change the way I think. Therefore, I can change the way I act. By the way, notice in 1 Peter verse um, 4, verse 3, this is interesting, and I noticed this in reading it. For the past time of our life may suffice us, us, that's a, he's, he's including himself, to, uh, to have wrought the will of the Gentiles when we walked in lascivious. Peter's a Jew, but he recognizes that before Christ, I live like they did. Sinners. Sometimes Gentiles can just be a term for sinners. It's, it's, it's because to the Jew, anything that was anti-God was Gentile, no matter the nation. And so it can also have a sense of just explaining sin. And it's not necessarily targeting one particular ethnicity or group. In, in other words, what he was saying was, even though I was a Jew, I did like they did. I didn't live according to Jewishness. I didn't live according to the law. And I like that because here's Peter not just preaching down to people. You better live this way. That's why I included myself earlier in those who have a past, but it's under the blood. Because I'm not perfect. Don't, don't be fooled by the suit and the tie tied just right. No, 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 no. Listen, if you want to peel back the blood, there's plenty of stuff you could see. You probably would want to unvote me in, unelect me, or whatever it is you do around here. Amen. But if you realize that that's not who I am anymore, and so Peter's doing the same thing. Hey, whether or not you knew me before Jesus, let me tell you, I also was a part of it with you. I also acted like that. I also lived like that. But something happened. It's not that we celebrate that and it's a badge of honor. No, it is still a shameful thing. But what he's saying was, apart from Christ, I am nothing. Hallelujah. The sins that are listed here represent a lack of restraint and a strong desire for evil. 
They include drunken orgy parties where false gods were praised. Sexual immorality was rampant. And Peter sums all of them up just calling them abominable idolatries. And herein is yet another good reason to stop sinning. Would you look at verse 4 with me? Wherein they, the Gentiles, the sinners, think it strange that you, the Holy One, run not with them to the same excess of riot. In other words, you're not doing the same thing with them. Right? Speaking evil of you. In other words, as long as you're doing it with them, man, you're cool, you're in. But the minute you start living right, they speak evil of you. That's another reason I don't want to go back to my old lifestyle. Because not only do they do this junk, they then speak evil of us who are trying to get out of it. I, I don't want you to raise your hands, please. But there's a lot of people in here who may have had an addiction before and God delivered you. Thankfully, most of you that I'm, I've talked to have had somebody who's celebrated that with you. Hey, you're doing a good job. I'm proud of you. You're, 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 you're making strides. You're getting off that drug or whatever. And, and that's good. But can you imagine if somebody was just saying, oh, yeah, what are you, holier than thou now? And even worse, and that's what they do, speak evil. I don't want to be a part of that crowd. You know, we live in a society where I, I have actually heard these words. I'm almost ashamed to say them. I've heard people say, I'd rather my kids be wasted on drugs and have an unbridled sex than to be a Christian. I'm like, what? Are you serious? My mind has a hard time fathoming such wicked thinking. Maybe I'm weird. I wanted my kids to be virgins when they got married. I wanted them to be able to give that part of their lives to their spouse. Maybe I'm old-fashioned, but I, I wanted my kids to abstain from sin like that. And drugs and drinking and all. It's no wonder then that Satan and a society that worship him is hostile to holy living. You cannot practice the will of God and the will of the Gentiles at the same time. You can't serve God and mammon. And so our hostile world needs a holy church. You can live the rest of your time for God's will if you want to. It comes down to do you want to. Brother Alan Oggs preached and wrote a book titled, You Gotta Have the Want To. And so, I'll tell you like this. Choose you this day whom you will serve. But as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. And here's why. In verses 4 through 6 of 1 Peter, we see that God judges. Notice specifically verse 5. Who shall give an account to him that is ready to judge the quick and the dead? God is the only just judge so live the rest of your time for God's will so that he's able to judge you exonerating you of all sin and calling you blameless in his sight I wonder if on that day 
God's going to allow us to have the brief memory of what we did, who we were, etc. And when we hear him call our names and say, enter in, I wonder if just for a brief moment we're going like, did he not know what I did in, you know, 19 whatever, right? But here, here's the difference. The Bible talks about if our sins go before us and we're covered by his blood, that that's what he's seeing. He's seeing himself. He's seeing his redemption upon us. He's seeing his righteousness. But if they don't and we take them with us, it doesn't matter how good we were. Volunteer of the year, citizen of the year, all of that. It doesn't matter if we're not born again. 2 Peter 3.14, Wherefore, beloved, seeing that you look for such things, be diligent that you may be found in him in peace without spot and blameless. Jude chapter 1 verse 20, but you beloved, building up yourselves on your most holy faith, praying in the Holy Ghost. That's how you overcome sin. Keep yourselves in the love of God, looking for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ unto eternal life. And of some have compassion, making a difference. And others save with fear, pulling them out of the fire, hating even the garment spotted by the flesh. You hate the garment, not the person. Now unto him that is able to keep you from falling and to present you faultless before the presence of his glory with exceeding joy. To the only wise God, our Savior, be glory and majesty, dominion and power, both now and forever. Amen. I want him to declare that I'm blameless and faultless in his sight. So I'm going to do everything I can to live the rest of my time for God's will. Why? Because Jesus is coming. And I want to spend eternity with him. Let the world call me weird. Let them call me old-fashioned. I don't care. Let them call me outdated. That's all right. They can call me whatever they want to. Amen. Just as long as Jesus calls my name and welcomes me home with him. I don't care about the judgment of others, but I do care about God's judgment. And so I'm going to be ready to give an account. I'm going to have chosen those deep elements of gold and silver and precious stone and refused the elements of the cheap surface elements of this world, the wood, the hay, the stubble. Why? Because I want to make it. You see, the purpose of this life is to prepare your soul for the next. One person said, Bible should stand for basic instructions before leaving earth. What are you building for eternity? Did you know God wants to welcome you with everlasting joy into his presence? Meanwhile, Satan wants to drag you to eternal torment with him. Again, is there really a choice? I have a loving God who became my sin so that I could become his righteousness, who wants me to spend eternity with him in peace and love and joy and pleasures forevermore. And I have a, 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 a devil that just wants me to be chained and tormented with him forever. I mean, there's no choice. But here's the reality. I get to make it. I alluded to this briefly, but 1 Corinthians 3, 9 through 15 illustrates that you get to build eternity. You can choose the wood, hay, stubble, or the gold, silver, precious stone. You see, you get to go to God's Home Depot. 
You get to walk down the aisle, and there, there's this aisle over here that has the gold and the silver and the precious stone in it. Now, I will tell you, these are premium resources of the highest quality, and you will not find them on sale. It doesn't matter about Black Friday. It doesn't matter about President's Day. There's no sale. There's no discount. It's full price for the gold, the silver, and the precious stone. However, over here, and by the way, this aisle is narrow. And few there be that find it. Now, this aisle over here, though, man, it is lit up like Christmas and Thanksgiving and, you know, everything. Every holiday combined. You know, just it's, it's just, woo! It's wide. It's big. Uh, and all kinds of sales and discounts. And you can go over here and you can get wood, hay, and stubble. But just know the quality is subpar. You can start building. Here's the thing. You bring your choice to the register. Cha-ching, you immediately start building. But know this, God is the perfect craftsman who will judge everyone's work when he returns. And he's going to use fire to test our work. I think that's in part one part of being born again of uh, you know, the spirit John talks about, Holy Ghost and fire. I think fire can be zealousness there and our passion to live for God, but I think also it points to the judgment of fire in which the works I've done, and, and, and again, most of you have heard me say this, what happens when you apply fire to wood, hay, and stubble? It's consumed. It becomes ash. It's destroyed. What happens when you apply fire to gold and silver and precious stone? It melts down, and the impurities leave, and it becomes more valuable. God wants everyone to do good works. It's why he created his church. You can read that in Ephesians 2.10. And he will judge every work. Ecclesiastes 12.14 says this. And 1 Peter 1.17 says this. So we need to choose the gold, silver, and precious stone. So I'll ask again, what are you building for eternity? Are you using those eternal materials that will stand the test of God's fiery judgment and make you more valuable? Or are you using the surface elements that God's fire will destroy? The book of Proverbs, especially chapter 14, four different verses illustrate that the foolish may pull down your earthly home, but they cannot destroy what you build for eternity. I might be homeless in this life, but I'm laying up treasure in there where I have a home forever. When Jesus returns and he judges, there will be no appellate court. There'll be no attorneys to say objection, your honor. There'll be no juries to deliberate. No court will be able to overturn his verdict. God alone will be the judge and the jury. And quite frankly, and the executioner. Yet even now, God is the judge and he can judge your heart clean and purify you from sin because that hasn't happened yet. The rapture hasn't happened yet. You can be judged today and be cleaned. Others may observe outward signs of a person's work, but it is only God who can see the intent of the heart and determine authenticity. We have to remember then that, that knowledge is not power. Applied knowledge is. We can't be duped into thinking that good intentions are enough to transform us. You will become what you 
do, not what you intend to do. So, you can live for God if you want to. The question is, do you want to? In 2011, hip-hop star Drake coined the phrase, you only live once, or YOLO, Y-O-L-O. It became popular through the internet and books and television, shows and graffiti and tattoos and merchandise. And even in 2014, YOLO was added to modern dictionaries defined as enjoying life to its fullest because you only live once. Survey says, ah. what says the scripture? <laughs> That's not what God's word teaches. This life is not the only life. It's a vapor. It lasts for just a moment. My's 50 years is just a vapor. That's 50 living for God. I won't tell you how old she is. Otherwise, she's she had a birthday coming this month, this, this week. Amen. But, but hear me. It's a vapor. Eternity's forever. Those who are born again of the water and spirit in Jesus' name, who pursue peace and holiness in His name with all men, and, and who do those good works, and who deny themselves, and who take up their crosses daily, who arm themselves as Peter teaches here, and follow Jesus, will spend eternity with Him and hear Him say, well done. But those who reject His word, again, Mark 6, 16, he that believeth and is baptized shall be saved. He believeth not shall be damned. There's a saved bee and a damned bee. Which bee are you going to be? You will spend eternity with or without God. Choice is yours. I, I don't want to think about what that day is going to be like. For those who say, oh Lord, it was hard because of or this person did. And I'm sorry for those who have experienced genuine church hurt. I, I mean it. I'm sorry. I, 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 I cringe when I think about those who have been through things that, that genuinely have been uh, invalidating and hurtful. And I, I, I just, the flesh in me wants to rise up and deal with it like a vigilante. I know that's not God's will. Vengeance is mine, says the Lord. But, but even in the worst of cases, you can live for God if you want to. So please choose wisely because you only live forever. Drake, I'm sorry, you were wrong. It's not YOLO. It's you only live forever. The Bible mentions the concept of fearing God 94 times. Proverbs 16, um, Proverbs rather contains 16 of them. Two in the first chapter. Proverbs 1 verse 7 says, The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge, but fools despise wisdom and destruction. Huh. I, I just, I can't imagine choosing this side. I'm going to despise wisdom and instruction. I don't need that stuff. That's just a bunch of hooey. That's just church. I don't need the church. Okay. Maybe you don't, but I do. <laughs> we sat down for breakfast yesterday morning before the kids left, meaning Braxton and Jess, and 
there was two cups of juice and somebody didn't want it. And Braxton said, if I don't want it, I want it. And he poured it in his cup. Well, I'm like that. You don't want it, I'll take your instruction. I'll take your knowledge. <laughs> you don't want it, I want more. The next one is in Proverbs 129. For they hated knowledge and did not choose the fear of the Lord. If you go to hell, if you spend eternity in the lake of fire, there'll be one person and one person only that you can blame, and that is yourself, because you made the choice to do so. I, I don't mean that to sound uncaring about what has happened to you in life, but I also know many, many stories of people who have faced extreme, difficult trauma who are living for God despite what there happened in their past. It's why you hear me say all the time when people say, how can a loving God send anyone to a burning hell? Wrong question. How can anyone choose that, a burning hell, over a loving God? You get the choice you can live for God if you want to. The question is, do you want to? Let's stand together. Lord Jesus, I have delivered your word this morning in first word as you have delivered it to me. And God, I pray publicly that I want to daily make the right choice. I know I'm not perfect, but I also know through your word and name I am forgiven. And Lord Jesus, I pray that each and every person listening in person and online today would feel the tug of your spirit. For they cannot come to the Father except the Spirit draws them. Let the Spirit draw today that we might all be saved. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. God bless you. I'll see you back here in about 10 minutes for our worship service.